0: Welcome back to another episode of Bopcast, where I interview people who are breaking the mold regardless of the status quo. And today on the podcast, I have Austin Huffman, also known as Austin from Boston. I met Austin on Facebook Marketplace, of all places. I actually noticed that he was selling an Audi R8. Now, this R8 was a little bit out of my price range, but I thought... That he was an interesting guy. I was like, what is this guy doing? He's a young dude. How does he how does he afford this car? I had a lot of questions. Hit him up. Turns out he wanted to come on the show and talk about it. Talk about his life, his business, how he got to where he is now. So he a hundred percent fits that mold of breaking the mold so to say ladies and gentlemen my name is ryan sullivan also known as sully bop i'm the founder of podcast principles host and creator of Bobcast, as well as a rapper and producer on the side do a few different things and this is my show where i like to break down talk a little bit about people's stories and see what we can learn from people and things that they've done in their lives especially younger folks like this kid right here younger than me 22 years old out there hustling out there killing it he has his exhaust systems all over the world at this point we talk about speeding getting pulled over for 170 miles per hour in a 65 what that was like getting arrested for speeding as well and some other stories hope you enjoy this episode our sponsor today is sodabeats.com link in our bio to try that out the best way to make beats online right now All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the episode with Austin from Boston. Welcome back to another episode of Bobcast. Today on Bobcast, I have my man Austin. I found him on a Facebook marketplace (laughs) where all great podcast guests are found. Um, Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. It's been a few weeks in the making, um, but now we're here and it's, uh, I mean, let me just, I'll just tell the little backstory of how, how and why I found you and then, I'm just gonna kind of open it up. Um, love good. to go through your story. We're gonna dive into the company and everything as well. But um, so I was on Facebook Marketplace doing my thing. Like I'm on, you know, buying and selling cars, man. You know the deal. Like you always, you gotta, you you kind of are are. Um, perpetually on Facebook Marketplace. It's not like you go on there, you see some shit on Facebook you hate, then you're like, all right, I'm just gonna go I'm to Marketplace. Yeah. Because like, you're there for Marketplace anyway, but you see some dumb posts that you know, your aunt made or something and you're like, oh my God, this is bad. But it, it's just crazy that they have Marketplace in Facebook, but they're so widely different. Like I don't want Facebook, I just want Marketplace. To buy stuff. Exactly, and <laughs> yeah. that, but that's how they get you. So I'm on there and I'm like, you know what, let me go look at some exotic cars. You know, So I set the thing at like 80,000. And uh, like minimum price, 80000 And there's not much, there's like some Porsches, like normal stuff. And I see the R8. And I'm like, oh, this is a nice R8. It's like, you know, it's got wheels on it and stuff. It's not like completely stock. And uh, so then I was just like, you know what? Let me message this guy. Let me just see what he's doing, you know? So I sent you a message. I never have messaged anybody like that, like, you know, with a podcast in mind. You know, I've always just messaged people like if I'm interested in something. But, uh, so I shoot you the message and then, you know, you're like, hell yeah, man, let's do this let's thing. Do it up. Man. And then I'm I posted, excited. I actually posted that um, on on LinkedIn because LinkedIn, I, I get a, like, a lot of my work from LinkedIn and I kind of have like a following over there. So I was like, hey guys, like if you want to get, like if you have any excuse, if you, if, there's no excuse for you to get guests for your podcast. Basically, is what I was saying. Like, I literally just randomly just talked to this guy. It out. That's gotta what I'm saying. I randomly happen. hit you up on Marketplace, dude. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of how it came to be. It's been a been a little while now, and we finally made it happen. Um, but you know, there's like ten different ways I could go with this. But I, if you could let people know kind of who you are, what you do, your business, and then uh, to to be honest, I'm probably going to backtrack a little bit and kind of go for you know go from where it started. But if you want to just tell people a little bit about yourself, yeah. that'd be great. So, as you said,
1: I'm Austin. I um I I guess the biggest thing that I've done in my existence has been when I was 17, I had a BMW 335, which was my Favorite car at the time. I had spent every dollar I'd ever earned detailing over the past summers to buy the car. And it was so loud. I did catless downpipe, secondary cat delete, the full exhaust. And my mom, whenever I started to go to high school in the morning, my mom would be furious.
0: Yeah.
1: And she said, she said, why is this car so loud? And I said, it's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. And she really didn't understand that. And then I had to take her somewhere in the car one day. And I remember she was in the car. She said, why is it so loud when I'm in the car? Why don't you figure out a system to make it so it's quiet when I'm in the car and then loud when you're in the car? And I kind of pondered that idea for a little bit. And if anybody who – if someone who knows 335s is watching this podcast to understand this, Mm -hmm. there was a thing that I developed called the one half pe mod. And that was basically you took the exhaust system from factory. They came – with valves and so I made a valve controller so that it allowed me as the driver control over the valve and then I straight piped one side of the exhaust and left the other side stock mm. so when you wanted you could press the button and open it up have it really sound good and then you could close it up imagine
0: really. nobody understands what you're saying like can you explain the valve a little okay. bit like like yeah like go oh, super simple if so you
1: can. the way the technology works is the engine has to expel the exhaust gases out of the back of the car. A lot of the times to lower the sound level, there are mufflers, resonators, cats. So every car has to have cats for legality reasons, but you, a lot of people, they like to remove their mufflers and make the cars very loud. But my idea was if you have one car, for instance, you had a GTI, yeah. if that's your only car, you want it to have it sound good, but also not be droning or obnoxious. That was my problem, actually.
0: Like I wanted it to sound like a exactly. VR because it was a VR, and it's like everybody opens up a VR. Yeah. And but then I was like, but it's gonna so sound drone-y. like yeah, it's gonna just it's gonna I'm gonna hate it. Exactly. You know? So it's funny
1: you speak of VRs because my marketing manager has a GTI VR6. hmm And with the valve mark four, or is... uh, I think it's, I think it's mark four. It yeah. is mark four. Yeah. And he, that's exactly what we did. We got him set up with the valve muffler and the car sounds wicked with the valves open yeah. and quiet when it's closed. But for those who are not super familiar, you have to, a lot of people, all the cars that are out there, they have mufflers. But what we've designed is the technology and kind of the packaging constraints mm-hmm. to allow for you to control the sound on the fly. The mufflers have a valve in them and you connect it up to a vacuum source and you, with a key fob set up, you can open and close this valve at the touch of a button. So if you want to rip down your favorite back road, open it up, have a great time with your buddies, you're allowed to do that. This gives you the flexibility to do that. And then if you've got a girl in the car or whatever, she doesn't want to hear that, close it up. Your mom's in the car like my mom's in the car sometimes. Close it up
0: and they are none the wiser. Residential neighborhood <clears throat> like... Exactly. No one wants to hear coming that. Coming back late at night type exactly. things. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. So you kind of just, uh, you know, you solved the problem, right, for yourself. We tried. Yeah, you tried. Um, but what? so what was it like creating, like, so did you just pull the exhaust down from the car? Like, what was the exact, like, so you the, know, steps that you steps, took in your okay. garage? Because you're, like, new at this, well, right? Well,
1: so what know. ended up happening is is when my mom said this to me, I had the performance exhaust on my car from BMW. It was an OEM part for the 335s. And it removes the valve from the factory system. So it's just a straight through system. So I remember having my I had my car in my garage, then I had the old exhaust like on the wall. And I remember looking at it and I I focused in on the little valve actuator. There's on all these mufflers to actuate them, you'll see there's a little there's a like a pneumatic body that you you use vacuum pressure to suck open that'll open the valve. And I remember looking at the OEM system and saying I feel like I'm missing the mark here. Mm-hmm. There's there's something else that I could do to allow for me to have the car quiet or have it loud when I want. So I kind of was pondering this thought. And then, I mean, <clears throat> a couple, there's more time that went past. Over this interaction with my mom, but I remember she came down one morning, it was like six o'clock, and it was the same thing. It was like, if you don't make the car quieter, you either have this to. Was s- thing, this was right? an ongoing thing. This is an ongoing thing, yeah. You either have to sell the car,
0: yeah,
1: or you're putting the stock exhaust back. I'm going to make sure that the exhaust goes back to stock. I was like, all right, I really got to figure this out. So I remember that same day, I took the car and the exhaust to a shop that is very, very close to my heart still. It's called Eurotech Motorsports. One of my really good friends named Farley. He owns a shop and he's been incredibly influential in this whole process, allowing me to do specialized installs, working late, helping me out on labor costs. And I'll get more into him as the, as we progress. But I went to Farley and I said, Farley, look at this exhaust. It has the valve on one side and it doesn't have the valve on the other what if we made the valve side a straight pipe, completely bypass it, and then have the valve to control it? He was like, okay, I think we can maybe fabricate that and build it. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So what we did is we did the one-half PE mod. We took the one muffler that we had, the casing, and we removed it. We put straight pipes in it, and we kept the valve, and we kept the controllability there. And then I had to build a valve controller, which was super easy. It was basically power, ground, and then the signal wire. And I just put the signal. Like a (laughs) subwoofer. Basically, it was so easy. And um, because the car already had this technology integrated in it, Mm. it was as simple as optimizing the technology to control the loud and quiet more, so you had more flexibility, and allowing the driver the control rather than having the car's brain, the ECU, open and close the flap. So that's what we built. So I built the controller, and we kind of fabbed up the first prototype. And I remember we put it on YouTube, on Tedward's YouTube channel, and at the time he had like 6,000 subscribers. I think he's at 200,000, he grew quite a lot. So I remember we put it on his channel, and I went to this car show and we just filmed a quick video. I explained it to Tom. That's his name, Tom. And so I said, you know, it'd be cool to make a video about this because I think it would be very valuable for people. So we made one video and it like did like 50,000 views in a week, which was extremely strange for him because it did so many views, which was unaccustomary for what he'd normally been used to. So he does a bunch of views and he says, let's make some more videos about this. So we did two or three more videos showcasing the car and the exhaust and like kind of how it worked. And one of them I think has like 150,000 or 200,000 views now. And the collective group of videos have like half a million views. So I started getting inquiries on my Instagram, people saying, I wanna buy this. Will you make this for me? And the thing was is in the video that, that that we made, I explained how to do this. I said, go to your exhaust shop, have them make this, make this, and you'll be able to have this sound. And the thing was, is that really wasn't good enough for people. They wanted to buy it. So it's like, all right, well, nobody
0: wants to actually do work. Exactly. You can wanna... literally give people everything.
1: Yeah, and they don't want to do it. <laughs> so, well, that's where the business kind of began. And I remember I sold my first unit in. It must it was August of 2017 because I had been developing this in high school, which was I graduated in um, in May of 17 from high school. And from there, it was kind of just building the vision. We started with those 335s. I built like a Shopify website, very rudimentary. I started an Instagram. I was just showcasing people's cars that had our exhaust on it and continued to kind of build the brand presence. We went from the 335 platforms to the M3s. I, because I had been making some money now, I went out and I bought an E92 M3. I bought a Melbourne red car, six speed, you know, speed cloth carbon fiber roof the the most beautiful spec for that car that i could find at the time and that was at a time where those cars weren't super expensive and and i got it and we built an exhaust for that car and it was the same thing i wanted to be able to have it loud and quiet so that's that at that time i was a sophomore in in college and i started to realize wow this is like a real thing i could really do this and I wasn't super excited about my classes that I was taking and I wasn't, you know, super engaged with the material that I was learning in the classroom. Now I look back and that, I was like, I wish I paid attention more because I could have learned so many great skills and, ta- and um, and, uh, skill sets. But from there, we continued the the brand expansion, really trying to do partnerships with YouTube channels, getting promoters on board, yeah. and just trying to showcase the world that we were gonna do something different. We were going to take this project to the next level and be able to build something that would, you know, rival the lacks of some of the best exhaust
0: companies in the world. Wow, that's incredible. So how how what did you think you were gonna do with your life? I mean, listen, you're 22, dude. Like, you, I mean, as you know, listen, I have a business to everything could fall apart tomorrow. It's it like, could, you know, it, it's could. that's that's the volatility. But that's what we're here we're here for. That exactly. But um, but uh, and I know you're young. But like, what did you think? Like when you're going to college, what did you go to college for? Like, what did you think it was gonna so be? So
1: I I actually I went to Lehigh University not too far okay, yeah. from here, and I. I went to school for engineering. I was actually in a program called IBE. It was Integrated Business and Engineering. It was a five-year dual degree program where you get a business degree and an engineering degree all in five years. You had to take basically 20 credits every semester. So I started out in that, and I realized that I wasn't very good at just memorizing things on a a test sheet. I'm not a good memorizer. I like to really put my... Or put my skill sets into action to really learn them. And memorizing of things and trying to learn tasks that way was not really how I was learning. So I ended up leaving that program because it was just, it was too invasive. It was too much going on. It was too intense. And I was trying to run this business at the same time. So when I left that program, I went strictly business and I studied supply chain. And that's what my degree is in. And so the supply chain really helps me understand, right now is a fascinating time, because we think about COVID being the main reason as to why we can't get anything, and and that's part of the reason, but the real reason is the fact that the supply chain disruption scale, whether we had a one-week factory shutdown and we couldn't get chips, the supply chain ripple effect increases like a like a wavelength does. It's crazy.
0: It's so like exponential, right? Yeah. It is.
1: So you find that um, when the just-in-time manufacturing process, which has been adopted by everybody because people believe that excess production that is not going to be consumed immediately is wasteful, and that's a great structure until it isn't. Mm. So that type of supply chain background has helped me optimize the building of this brand during this covid time where i mean there was positions where we i literally had no money but i had to forecast out and like put my credit cards on expense because i i we i knew that the money was going to come in in maybe two or three weeks from some of our big brand deals but we needed to have stuff in stock for people to buy when they needed it because that's the name of the game now. If you don't have stuff to buy, no one's buying the best thing anymore because they can't they can't get it. Yeah. Whoever has stock wins. So that was my supply chain background at Lehigh. I wish I paid more attention in those classes. We all have regrets in life. But mm. that was the big thing that I learned there was, you know, supply chain is where you'll you'll live or die in a company like this.
0: Yeah, I took uh, the first ever supply chain class. Not the first, like the first class, mm-hmm. like ever offered at my community college, um, and this guy, he was uh, he did a big higher up in supply chain at Kellogg's and 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 like don dish Dawn dish soap and all that. Those like mm-hmm. you know what is it, uh, all could CPG ban- yeah. brands, and uh, he was great man. He was so good. He basically did. He was in supply chain for his his exact plan was I'll be in supply chain for thirty five years, and then. I will create a business when I'm like 60 and then just create like a million dollar a year business, keep it small, 15 employees, whatever, and then just do that till I feel like stopping. And that's exactly what he did with his life. Wow. Like, yeah, that's like, quite impressive. Yeah, it was super impressive. <laughs> I don't
1: impressive. have the forethought to be able to build my life like that. I
0: know, I'm like, this guy's on another level. And so I actually interviewed him for another class because I'm like, this dude is like next level. Really great guy. Uh, Deming, I remember. I don't know if you remember that name. That he So he, he's the one that, He's actually an American guy hmm. who consulted for the Japanese for Honda and Toyota and these other companies. Really? And he actually consulted on their supply chain. Yeah. And so and, and obviously they're revolutionary in what they do. Of but course. they he didn't they created the system of American car manufacturers are checking everything at the end, right? All these Japanese, Korean—they're checking everything, every step in the process, right? And so, like that was like the difference, I guess. And and so, uh, but I, I had no idea about supply chain. I didn't know it existed. I didn't understand what it was. Turns out, it's everything. It's everything because in world. it's it's you. We as consumers, if like take uh, our backgrounds out of it, we see the beginning and we see the end. That's it. That's of all course. you see. You see, I want this product, then it's at my door. Yeah. The, everything between there is the most important part and of as course. you're saying um so that was really that that was really important i feel like that you that well as you know that you, that you had that background and somewhat interest in supply chain listen i i can say the same thing i guess that i wish i paid attention more in college but like i didn't learn i mean at least in my i didn't learn shit dude like i had professors that just didn't give a fuck like they just didn't care um they were just there to get a paycheck a lot of the times i had some great ones i had one guy who was like he just wrote books just mm-hmm. to make money off the books and then he learned how to make money on books and knew how to market them to like create ROI and then like so I had a few people that would teach us like real well, it entrepreneurship it only takes skills. one yeah. it takes
1: one guy to be like yep this is not what your school existence should be like it should be like this yep. and I had my I'm trying to think of the I remember when I went into this IBE program when I was real green I was a senior in high school trying to figure out where I wanted to go to university and and um, Stephen Buell I haven't seen him in a long time, but he, was the, one, he was the one who got me into this uh, this program, but also this idea of you can create and build anything you want. And that's a big thing that I try and share with other people who ask me, even people in the car community, outside the car community. A lot of people say that I'm a lot because I'm always promoting. I'm always, you know, if someone ever has a question about exhaust, it's like, oh, could have bought my system, you would have been in great shape. But I push really hard in that. And a lot of people, they they don't understand that this is my thing, this is my like child, this is my baby, right? So for a lot of my existence, it's been trying to showcase to people that this type of technology really helped them. And whether I learned that from a professor at school and – having the idea that whatever you want to build or whatever you want to create, whatever you want to learn or experiment with, just do it. I've told this countless times to anybody who comes to me asking for advice or tips or experience lessons. There are so many things that people want to try, whether it's learn to pick pick up a new hobby or learn a new sport or skill. And so many people are afraid to try. And that's been the biggest thing. How did you get started with podcasts? I'm sure you just were like, let's give this a shot. We'll see what happens. And that's a lot of... That's
0: exactly what That's
1: happened. exactly yeah. right. So it, there's a lot of times where I tell people, just try. And that was a big thing that I learned in university was that I think university teaches you far beyond the classes. It teaches you a lot of social skills and it teaches you to really align your life by yourself and not have your your sheets washed for you when you go home and stuff like that so that
0: independence is the so independence
1: is, va- is extremely valuable yeah. so that my university career although I say that although I didn't perhaps learn much in the classroom I learned so much outside and I have a lot to be thankful for for that
0: yeah I, I agree wholeheartedly I mean my thing I I had been telling people on like podcasts for the last two years to try new shit I mean I, I didn't because like you get somebody like it's like I have too many things that I'm currently doing and that there's 50 things that I want to try that I can't even try that like I totally would drop everything and try and try, try it right yeah. now but I but people are on the other side of the spectrum where they're like there's one or two things they want to try and their fear is even stopping them from just trying those two <clears throat> things. Trying, yeah. Like they have That's the scary. time, you know? Um, and so that, like, it was just, I feel like there's some kind of innate thing maybe with people who start businesses or podcasts or, or exhaust companies or whatever it is, especially when you're younger in life. I think there's kind of an innate thing where, uh, at least for me, is I didn't see a barrier to entry. I'm a white rapper, dude. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I literally been making hip hop music for five years. Like, I, do, but I never saw... I never saw any barrier. It's not like mm-hmm. people were saying to me like, "Oh, it's not going to work." Like, I just didn't. Nobody said anything. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, just "Try." Yeah, let's just yeah. see what's up. So if you fail, it's, you It's fail. always it's people's own mind that's stopping them ninety percent of the time from kind of just trying. Of course, the shit. Um, but so, you know, now you're getting out of college. I guess at this point, mm-hmm. right? The business is progressing. Like, where does it? physically what does it physically look like like you're in your garage to start but when does it become like an LLC a real, and thing. A real yeah thing?
1: so uh, I actually have to give credit to my university again to Lehigh because when I was a freshman I got allowed to join this program it was called it initially was called Launch Bay C but then it was called the hatchery so the hatchery program was a program where you as a student whether you first year second year senior whatever you could have the opportunity to get a little bit of funding and start to develop your own idea. Mm. And for me, when I came into this, everybody else didn't really have an idea, but I had this idea and I knew what I wanted to kind of pursue. So I spent a lot of time with a lot of sheets of paper doing, what was this thing called? I remember it was the, it was like a, it was a single sheet. I remember Chris Cowsman, he used to tell me to do these. And it had, like, who is your, uh, uh, your customer? Your stakeholders. What all is that stuff, yeah. all that stuff? Um, <clears throat> I know what you're talking about. I don't yeah. know the name of it, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I forget, unfortunately. I do it for my
0: clients all the time, I feel Yeah.
1: Like. <clears throat> so I remember doing a bunch of those and figuring out uh, what it is that I wanted the business to stand for and how I was going to promote, how I was going to manage the back end and... When I, in that summer of 2017, I'm sorry, the summer of 2018, excuse me, was when the LLC was formed, and pretty quickly I sold my first unit, because I was on the forums. I talked to a lot of people about, hey, like, I'm going to make these. Do you want to buy one? And it started at, like, I think I had them at, like, $500 or something, which was way too cheap. I was making no money
0: doing it. But you had to verify.
1: Yeah, I had to verify the concept. So... I set up the LLC, I did, at the end of my program, there was like this.
0: Graduation? Graduation, yeah, Yeah. there you go.
1: So, at the graduation, I remember there was, surprisingly, it's funny, I think people who are wealthy and of means will always like cars and will spend a lot of money on cars. So I'm at this graduation thing and I have my table set up and my banner with my really janky ass JPEG picture as the background and I have the prototype on the desk. And I remember there were a couple people who came up who had really nice cars, and they said, when this becomes a real thing, I would love to buy an exhaust from you. And I said, I will make sure that that happens. And there was a couple customers who had Porsche Panameras. There was a guy who had a new Audi RS5 at the time. And unfortunately, they have since sold their cars, but we've put exhaust on their other cars because when I set this up to try and create this brand and this around this technology, I really wanted it to make people's lives better. And so when I showcased it at this graduation, I explained everything. I went through the process. I said, we we're very early stages, but I'm going to make this happen. And I hope that one day I can earn your business and put an exhaust on your car. And that's exactly what happened. So I formed the LLC there, had my first sales throughout there, and then it continued into the M3 market. And then we expanded to do more BMWs. We did the F chassis, like the 335s, the 440is, all that stuff. Mm. Continue to expand. And now we do Mercedes, we do Porsche, we do McLaren, we do Ferrari, Lamborghini as well, mm. the Audi R8s as well. Yeah. So been quite the expansion process but it all started there
0: wow that's incredible yeah i remember going to uh the internship fairs at my school and just trying to sell everybody all yeah. these companies i'm like you guys need a podcast like are you, what are you guys doing for content i'm like here's your so it's like that same type of like, grind where it's like Man, I'm here I'm still doing business, son. Like we didn't graduate. Yeah. Like this is just you know, uh this is just the the beginning, right? Uh it's not really the end. That's so powerful, man. I love <clears> because <throat> I love that story, uh and, and and how you kinda, you know, got your first kind of pre-orders right there. Yeah, right there. And so you continue like, okay, so now you get the pre-orders, are you still in the garage? Like do you get a space? Like kinda how does that so work? So I actually
1: out? I was using a kind of contract facility out in Chambersburg, Sam at Monarch Manufacturing who really helped me get this vision started. When I had that first prototype, I remember I went to Soul Performance, who is in near the Fort Washington area towards Philly. Mm -hmm. And I remember bringing it to them and saying, hey, you guys make exhaust, can you help me make this? And they were like, hmm, not, no, not really, but we have somebody who can. And they referred me to Sam at Monarch Manufacturing. And Sam really helped me One, helped control the inventory because he was building them and we put them on the shelves and we'd get all the parts together and be able to, you know, have them ready to go when people wanted to buy. And he was also my point of sale. He was the person who was boxing everything, shipping it out, helping me with returns because I would run the website and do the marketing and all that fun stuff, but he would, I would pay him to build these and then ship them out. So that's where the brand began is on the back end I didn't even have a garage. <laughs> I just had like my car parked in a parking lot at school, and I was doing the testing, and when we had a new revision. He'd send me the new revision. It would show up at my mail center at school, and I'd have this massive package. That's another fun story. I would have like wheels and tires and all sorts of crazy stuff delivered to the mail center at Lehigh, and they would be
0: like, what the fuck is that? There's this? Like these student workers yeah, what trying is, to just like roll s- these tires stuff. in. And-
1: <laughs> well, no, I'd have boxes. I remember I bought a set of... Um, I bought a set of HRE wheels, the Flow Forms, for my Mm -hmm. 335. And I remember getting the call, because I had wheels and tires at the mail center, and the mail center was not that big. (laughs) And I remember they called me and they said, Austin, what is all this stuff? And I said, her name is Nancy, God bless her, I said, Nancy, there are some wheels and tires that I'll be down in a little bit to come and pick them up. And obviously, none of that stuff would fit in the 335, because the seats didn't go down. So I had to have a friend of mine borrow his Land Cruiser, and we took the wheels and tires and put them on. But from there, I was always known, I was known as Austin from Boston, because that's pretty much how everybody knows me. But I was known as the guy who would always order crazy stuff to the mail center, whether it was exhaust parts, carbon fiber bits for my car, wheels and tires. I modified someone's Wrangler, who was just a friend of mine. And same thing, we ordered wheels and tires, we ordered like the huge metal bumpers but the only place I could ship them was school because if we shipped them to any other house outside cuz Lehigh's on the south side of Bethlehem they would get stolen yeah. so oh yeah that was the that it, it was it was so funny i
0: remember going to those moravian parties man, no, and just man. not put it not putting anything in my car <laughs> yeah like mm-hmm, everything's and that area is not even that bad yeah it's mostly the that's so funny exactly man. but it's crazy.
1: that's that's how it would go as i would i would if we had revisions i didn't have a garage i had like a very basic tool set and i knew how to take that exhaust on and off you know like the yeah. back of my hand so i would pull it off we'd do a revision and then either I would sell the old unit to somebody who wanted a unit quickly and didn't want to spend a bunch of money, I'd send it out. It was, again, we talked about the hustle, right? It was just I have this ability to give these people what they want if they want these valve systems, and if they wanted it now, they may have to settle for a unit that might not be fully finished, but we can get it to them now, which was a big thing for a lot of people. They didn't have this technology Three four years ago, now everybody's doing it because the people have watched my model, and there are so many people on Instagram and stuff. Well, let me ask you, you that. I copy. mean, are
0: you has have has that it, the valve on and off the like? In I feel like in in trucks, it was it was kind of something was like that had been around, right? So, it, or if this
1: technology has existed for a long time. I think Ferrari in ninety. 98 when the 360 came out, 360 uh, Modena, when that car came out, it had valves from the factory, and so you would you know get into the gas, and it would open the valves, but the technology wasn't really well. There's two there's two problems. The first is it wasn't really optimized to be the best use of the sound until like the Ferrari 430 came out in 2005, because when that car came out, it was a straight bypass. When the valves were closed, it was like, you wouldn't even know the car is there. But then when it opened, it was like a bomb went off. It was – the sound change was ridiculous. Zero or 100. Exactly. So that, to me, was kind of my basis because that car did such a good job. And a lot of, a lot of other cars, Jaguar F-Type, um, the new Mustangs have it too. But for a while, no one really did this. But then more recently, everybody started to do it because of the emissions and the regulations because you have to yeah. – achieve a certain sound level at certain rpms to allow for clean air acts and all this fun stuff but that technology has existed but no one has really put it into a package and a usability i'm sorry like a usable kit to where you could put it on your gti my jeep that's outside has it
0: like a cons- like a person like in their garage or in their driveway can like actually,
1: kind of they like- have to it's we usually well, recommend the wiring
0: right that's the wiring is another... not hard oh, okay. it's the
1: welding you would have to weld oh, the system in it, ultimately so it. you got to go to an exhaust shop got it. um but we do make the full systems too where you can bolt on like my m3 i have a, the e92 m3 that i have is 2008 and from factory the cars are extremely quiet and so the system that we have is the same thing. You pull the OEM system off, you put our new system up, and it has the valves. You wire it up, yep. done. And you always have that controllability. So mm-hmm. having that type of flexibility for a lot of cars is super valuable because whether the OEMs, the manufacturers, the BMW, Porsche, Mercedes, they'll have this technology, but it's not really optimized for the best use in the car. Because I assume, I'll speak from my perspective, I'm sure yours as well, mm-hmm your GTI, if you're going to have an exhaust, I assume you want it to, if you're going to have one sound, yeah, you want it to sound good, but just not be too loud. But if you can have two sounds, have it be nice and quiet for when you go on road trips or whatever, but then have it be super aggressive on a back road, you're going to want that. You're going to want the times when it can be loud and aggressive to be really aggressive because it just makes it more fun. So that was what we did with our tech or with not with our technology, but with our use of the technology was to allow for that huge flexibility, because that's where it becomes super valuable, is having OEM-like level sounds, even quieter in some cases. A good example is the Hellcat, like the, the Dodge Chargers and the Challengers and such. Those are really loud most of the time. And they actually have the valves from factory, but again, they're just not used well. They're just under-optimized, not in the right spot. So what we do is we remove all the mufflers and then we put in the valved ones. And the cars are way quieter when they're closed, so they're actually nice to drive. They don't, they don't, they're not droney from factory. And when they're open, they sound ridiculous. But so that's the type of flexibility that I wanted to offer to everybody, because it just helps you enjoy your car to a level that is unparalleled by anything else. So.
0: It's like a dual sport motorcycle, right? It's exactly. Like, it's like it. They don't do either the same way as one as mm-hmm. as one, right? So it's like it's not going to do off road the same as a dirt bike. It's not going to do on road the same as a regular motorcycle. And but in your case, you're like, I'm not satisfied with that. We're going to actually make it. I want it, both cycles. I want, I want both, both. Yeah. Really well. Yeah. And and when and the you touch a button. Exactly. And when you say like you're trying to change people's lives with this stuff, like it's not your goal was not make the loudest like it's not like you were just a real loud exhaust guy you were just like I always wanted to be loud as loud as possible it's actually the fact that it's for people who might not have two cars but you basically get two cars exactly you can have a weekend car and rip it all weekend wide open and then when you're going to work the next day you don't have to deal with the drone yeah exactly so it actually does can change your life like it actually can like when people think about or people who don't understand like or maybe not in the car arena You know, they'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, but for people who understand cars, like myself for people listening and you, but like, that's important. I mean, I mean, for me, dude, I fucking love cars. You know, I was a mechanic for five years. Like I, I love, I always love them and I always love the learning about them and the technology. Now, like, I have a fucking forerunner that I can't figure out right now, and it's driving me crazy, and I hate cars right now, but, you know, that's that's it, yeah, right? Yeah, we we right? all have those times. Yeah, yeah, yeah we all have those My times.
1: My M3 is very broken right now, because I actually, I came off Savage Rally, and the big a big way that we promote this is we do a lot of rallies and a lot of promotional events, yep. That go on youtube and they go other places but we try and really showcase to people that this can be at the high level whether you want to put it on your ferrari lamborghini porsche we make or you can put it on your low end like you put it on my jeep but what's really funny is alex Choi, who's a very big kind of influencer in the car community he i let him drive my m3 for a a, a good portion of the rally and he came back to me and he said yeah this car needs so much work and I said, really? Tell me all the things that this car needs because I hope I don't have to point my finger at you and say that you broke this stuff on my car. So he's like, it needs it needs all these things. So I brought my car back to my shop in Boston and it's been there for like two weeks, you know, just having every bushing redone. Uh, I had to put an idle control. So out he was the saying car. what
0: maintenance it needed or like it just normal, needed, yeah.
1: it needed all sorts of things Like yeah, it yeah. needed. Cause I, I clutch kicked the car cause I slide the car a lot uh, and see, so he's like, you need solid subframe mounts. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I just learned about that by the way, putting in the solid mounts versus I didn't realize how much caster.
1: Oh, there's so much lateral movement. Yeah, in those cars. There's so it's crazy. So you have, so I did, um, I had to do diff bushings, solid subframe mounts, refresh the entire suspension keep The same coilovers for anybody who doesn't like cars. Do you know what just coils do you disconnect have? from this? Yeah. uh, Bill Stein PSS 10s,
0: okay. Yeah, Bill Stein's just uh, the OG. way to go. I was gonna do you o- can't go wrong, I was gonna Bill do o Um, but I have BC's, but I've there's for Those are okay.
1: Yeah, um, so I had to redo all the suspension, idle control valve. We did a transmission service. Um, it was also weird when I was driving along. If I had the windows up, I put a like a CAE like pneumatic race shifter in the car. Uh, with a self-centering function, so like a, you'd think like, like in a dog box in a race car. So when you were driving normally, and the windows were up, totally fine. But then when you opened the windows, it created a high-pressure zone in the car, so the hot air would come out through the transmission tunnel and into the cabin. Uh, so, so it was good
0: in the winter, but that was bad. Yeah, it. <laughs> that's that's
1: about it. So because um, we, the shop just needed to create like a base plate with foam, so that it wouldn't do that. Yeah. But that was super weird, and the whole time on the rally, I couldn't decide whether to have the windows. Most of the time, I drive with the windows down, but I would drive with them up because then it, it wouldn't have this like fiery hot air coming out of the transmission tunnel. So I had to have that fixed, and just a a bunch of stuff had to be fixed. But the funniest part was is that rally was such an adventure because where had, is
0: that? Can you talk a little bit? that? yeah. About yeah. Rally?
1: So, so the so Savage Garage as a uh, they. The reason I became affiliated with them, they're a big YouTube channel. They have, I think, half a million subs now. I'll
0: I'll link them below. Yeah,
1: so check them out, they're they're great. They do a lot of work with Valtronics, so we love them very much. But I got connected with them because I saw a post that they put out. This must have been a year and a half ago. And I recognized the music that they used which was from an original Hot Wheels movie from like the 70s. And I remember watching that movie as a kid. And I sent a DM. I said, you know, I love the Hot Wheels music. And Jimbo, the guy who runs the channel, replied back. He said, you are the only person who recognized that. That's very cool. And I said, probably you and I are from the same generation, and he happens to be the same age as I am. And so we were kind of chatting. He said, Hey, I have a we have a bunch of cars. Let's do some promotional work together. We'd love to get your mufflers on our cars. And I was still really young at this. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was trying to I was figuring out the process of how to kind of sell these things and I was still a sophomore in university. So our initial inclining, we got some of our mufflers to them and they worked pretty well, but I was I didn't really understand what I was doing at that time, so and they kind of saw that, so we kind of disconnected for a little bit. But then when the rallies came about and I had really perfected the idea and the technology, we kind of had a second coming, came together a lot, did a bunch of promotional work together. We put mufflers on everything, and we've, we've done every Savage rally that has been in existence. So they're usually every three or four months, and we go. The first one was from Miami to Charlotte. That oh, was, I
0: see. So it's not one location. It's actually, exactly it's a road rally. Exactly, yeah. you do a
1: drive. So <clears throat> we did. Um, we did the rally from Miami to Charlotte, and there's a there's a good clip in here. If you actually, if you want to bring it up, mm-hmm. of um, it's on the IG here. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll be you on go to YouTube. Too. It'll be. It's actually on my IG.
0: I couldn't find you so just, just
1: just you A from B. Austin from Boston. A from B. Oh there you go, top one. So there's a... and if you go to my reels yep. the, the the bottom most reel is so funny because you go keep going to the bottom. So this one, yeah. This was we were doing like this was in the street in um like there was like a massive crowd and stuff uh, this was in Georgia but the like the police were totally cool with this so that's the type of mentality um, they were just, on yeah, these just rallies it's just crazy. you know we bring in so many cars Dude, so I many people and we were doing this we were Damn at, hoodlum. we were at the yeah we were at the uh, we were at the 9 line so um, this was me, th- this was in a parking garage like on an, on another savage rally we just have such a good time because these rallies are a ton of fun you get to meet Amazing people along the rallies. And Dude,
0: that's so sick.
1: We, but, so that was the second rally. The second rally was the Great Lakes. We did like all around the Michigan area, which was a lot of fun. It's we like Mackinac Island, which is weird as hell. There's like no cars and oh. horse and carriage. Very strange. And the most recent rally was from DC to Nashville, which, and that one, that one was brilliant as well. And it was my, <clears throat> I have a habit. Not a, I. will say this now, and I'll. Is this wood here? Hopefully, this stays. This is why my, we
0: have the table here.
1: Yeah, hopefully, this stays the way it is now. But I have a knack for kind of getting out of really bad tickets. So on this rally, you drive pretty fast. You know, you're 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 out there to enjoy the cars, and usually you're out on pretty wide open roads. So I. I'm leading the pack of probably 50 cars or so. and I'm in the M3 and I'm way out front. of probably a half mile in front of every other car. And I'm going along at... By the way, don't ever do this. Speed when it's only safe. I say this because a lot of people get this idea misconstrued that I drive like a psycho everywhere. That is not the case. Coming here this morning, I drove the speed limit. But when there's time and then when there's space and there's no other people, drive fast. Enjoy your car mm-hmm. as long as it's safe. And so we were in the middle of West Virginia. There's no one around. It was eight o'clock in the morning. We had just left the hotel and I'm bombing in the M3, 160, 170, like sitting on the limiter. We were moving. It's just me. There's no other cars, no other people, just me and my co-driver, my videographer with me. And we come over a hill and I crest the hill at about 160 and I go down and in the distance, about a mile and a half ahead, I see like a speck in the median and I was like, so I, when your heart drops, you're like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm bombing and, I, and my radar didn't go off. I have a Valentine one radar detector in the car and I see the cop way in the distance and I nail the brakes and I get slowed down to about 70 and then my radar gets pinned to the max. So I'm like, Oh God, I, I, I just don't know what's going to happen. So I'm coming up to the cop at like 65, just trying to act normal. And the cop is in the median. It's just me on the road. There's some cars going the other direction, but it's a four-lane highway. And it's just me going this one direction. And he throws his lights on even before I even get there. So I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm screwed. So he pulls out behind me. We move over, move over, move over, and then we move into the shoulder. I stop. And my rule with any police encounter is you gotta think about it from their perspective. They have literally no idea who they're walking up to the car who's in the car and also my car has no license plates on it i have the tesla zero emissions license plate. i don't i don't usually run a tag on the car um because it gets so much publicity and video and there's so many videos of it that it's tied to my personal address so i don't want that out there but there was no license plates on the car so this guy coming up to the car has literally no idea who he's approaching and he comes up to the car and goes you guys need to quit this bullshit I don't, like, you guys cannot be driving this fast. We've been getting so many calls, hundreds of calls, people saying, you guys are driving recklessly, driving like psychos. This can't be happening on the road. And I said, listen, sir, I'm, I'm very, very sorry. You know, I'm, we're just out here having a good time, enjoying some, some, some fun cars. We're not looking to put anybody else in danger. We're just out having a good time with some great people and some great cars. He goes, I understand that, but you better get on your phone and tell everybody else who just passed by us right now to slow down because there was a bunch of cars, Aventadors and Ferraris and shit passing me. I was I'm on the side of the road. So at the same time, my phone is blowing up. They're like, do we need to come get you? Are you going to be in jail? Like, where's the car going? So <clears throat> the cop asked me, he says, "You know, where's your license? And I, this is a big thing I try to do too when I get pulled over is you always say, when they ask you, where's your license? I said, listen, my license is in my left pocket. I'm gonna use my right hand, reach over, grab it. Is that okay? I just wanna make sure you feel safe in the encounter. Usually that'll help relieve the situation because they know that you're not a threat and you're just trying to make them feel as safe as possible. Same thing for the registration. He asked, where's his registration? I said, it's in the glove box. Do you like me to grab it for you? And I give him the registration. And uh, you know, he says, I assume you know why I'm pulling you over now, right? And I said, mm, not really. And he says, "Well, I clocked you at 169 miles an hour going down that hill." I said, "That's pretty fast." He said, "Yeah, that's what I said." Uh, and you know, he says, "Any reason you're driving so fast?" And so I explained to him that we're on this rally and we're doing this. You know, we do a lot of charity work with this rally. We're just out enjoying, you know, the wide open roads and some nice ca- and some cars and. You know, we're not looking to put anybody else in danger. I kept on trying to relay that because I'm like, I don't want to seem like I'm the villain here. Try to humanize yourself as much as possible. And I said, listen, man, I'm 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 sorry, I'm just the lead car. You know, I happen to be the guy who was out in front. And he was asking about like, am I like the pace car? And I said, No, I'm just the guy out in front. So he goes, he goes back to or he says, All right, I'll be with you in a second. And I said, if Anything you can do for me, officer, I'd really appreciate it. And he goes, I'll see what I can do for you. So he goes back, and I'm sitting on the side of the road and we sit there for about 30 minutes. And then another cop shows up. And then another one. And then another one. The classic And then another backup. one. There are five <laughs> police cars behind me. And you'll, you'll see this on some of the videos that Savage Garage put out. It's like, cop, 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 Austin yeah. <laughs> in the car. And so we sit on the side of the road for a good 40 minutes. And I'm, I'm getting a little nervous here because usually if you're on the side of the road for that long, either you're going to jail
0: yeah.
1: or they can't find a tow truck to come tow the car. So they just need to wait with you. I'm like, Either of these are bad, so I told my videographer keep recording, and the chief of the department that pulled me over comes up to the car, and he's looking around at the car, and in the midst of this, I a while back I did a promotional event where I put business cards along the front windshield, but one of them got stuck down like in the windshield cavity and it's covering the VIN number of the car. So he's like looking for the VIN number, just sees the Valtronic Designs business card. And he's like, all right, man, a couple things. First over, why is there a business card covering the the VIN? I said, I explained that to him. And he says, okay, second problem, why are there no license plates on this car? And I said, ah, I'm really sorry, man. I t- the license plates came off because this event that we're doing, it's all, like, it's all put on YouTube and you know, put out on media. And the registration to the vehicle is tied to my personal address and the car is used for company purposes. So I don't like to have tags on the car because I don't want people looking up the license plate and getting my address and you know having something negative coming from driving the car. And he kind of understood that. And I said, do you want me to give you the license plate? He said, yeah, because your car is not coming up in the system. And I said, that's not good. So I asked him, I said, do you mind if I get out of the car and I will, you know, remove the bags out of the trunk, put them all on the side and, uh, you know, I'll grab the license plates for you. He goes, okay. So I get out of the car and I proceed to remove every bag out of the back of the car. And the car is filled to the gunnels with luggage. There's so much stuff in the car. I move everything out i open up the trunk floor and i hand in the license plate but my license plate is a protect and serve tag from massachusetts where it says state police on the bottom and i hand in the tag and their mood changed immediately they were like so interested in the car the rally the business because they realized that i'm either very affiliated with law enforcement or that i you know either a family member's law enforcement because those plates are very challenging to get and so I hand them the plates and I kind of explain what the plates are for. They're for the State Police Association of Massachusetts. I explain all that to them and <clears throat> their demeanor completely changed. They, were, they became super cool and they were like, oh, what's Valtronic?" And, and I was, I, there's a, you, let's see, actually, you might be able to pull it up. Uh, if you go to YouTube, yep. there's a clip in there. Uh, and then if you type in Savage Garage, Uh, and then keep scroll down a little bit. Just keep going. Alright, mm-hmm. click click eight more. Oh, there it is. This is this this is it. Uh, this is the cop who came up to me. He was like, "Y'all need to quit this bullshit." So look, I'm like I am using my control and I'm revving the car on the side of the road with the cops there, and they were comp- and showing them and showing how them the exhaust. Works. Yeah, because they became super super cordial and and super nice, and they were curious about the technology, and I I showed off the exhaust to them, and it was brilliant. Oh my god! And so then, like they were like, yeah, like if you want to get on it as you as you get away, it was uh, as you exit the. They're like, stuff. just
0: don't do one sixty, but just <laughs> yeah. But so that, that was the thing is <laughs> cool. they
1: were uh, they were super cool, super cordial, and once once they had seen that I was, I guess not a threat. <clears throat> I gave them some t-shirts. Well, actually, the funny part was about the t-shirts is when I, I asked, I said, "What size are you guys for for shirts?" I've got a bunch of shirts in here. He said, "Wow, we really can't accept." You Because know, it's like a bribe thing. It's a bribe thing, yeah. And so I said, well, if someone were to litter these t-shirts, I you would have to pick them up, right? That would be a disservice to the community not to pick up the shirts that are being littered on the side of the road. Yeah. So I said, yeah, I think we would have to. Um, pick up the shirts. You're fucking good, man. So (laughs) it was funny. So um, I get back in the car and, you know, we we take off but no ticket, no nothing. They were just, you know, they just said, slow down, please be safe. We don't want to have to scoop you up on the side of the road from a massive accident. I said, I I appreciate that and uh, thank you for, you know, being cordial and and, uh, kind of understanding the situation. So I've had a lot of encounters like that though where I really try to humanize myself to Make the police understand that I'm, you know, I'm not like on drugs. I'm not drunk. I'm just, I think, a decent driver, not the greatest in the world. But I'm just out enjoying on a, in a safe section of road, enjoying my car to its potential. So And if you kind of show that to, to the officers, you're, you're usually car guys too. And I see so many people who they get massive tickets and they, they want to be combative. The police are not the enemy. You were going too fast. You're doing something. You're definitely in trouble. You're definitely deserving of whatever punishment you're going to receive. So, I see a lot of this where people try to point fingers at the police and stuff. They're just doing their job.
0: And and obviously, listen. There's asshole cops. There's because the asshole cop, people. There's asshole yeah. everybody. Exactly. There's Asshole firemen. I mean, there's asshole everybody. <clears throat> and and I think if if the fate is in their hands, how are you going to be mad at them? Like, exactly. You're just. It's like once they pull you over, now it's they're the god they're the man right you're the man dude yeah mr officer you're the fucking guy anything you want anything you need you got you got it and like but people take the other stance they go they go i'm the man fuck this guy he's trying to stop me he's against they don't give a fuck about you dude yeah they don't even care they didn't give a fuck about you until they did until they did exactly and And then it was all
1: good yeah so
0: it's and i love that you're saying like humanize it it's like yeah make them give a fuck about you somehow and be like in some way where you're not an asshole like you know what i'm saying like
1: show that yeah like it's funny try to keep them talking yeah it's uh there's a lot of that i even i had another encounter too where one of my favorite cars that i have i have a mazda miata little red one classic tan interior 90s right brilliant car 95 Mm -hmm. manual fantastic car but there's a rule with this car whatever the weather is rain snow sunny could be acid raining the top must be down That's a rule. If I drive the car, if anybody else is in the car, they know that the top is down all the time. top can never be up unless it's like getting parked and I don't want someone to steal anything out of it. So I was driving this Miata and me and a buddy were driving around Boston at like 2 a.m. It's raining. I had the top down. And that car is really underpowered. But when it rains, I have um, Federal 595 RSR. It's really sticky tires on it. When it rains, the tires have no grip. So you just fling the car around and it slides everywhere. It's brilliant. So I'm with my buddy, he's in a, the BMW 535 in front of me, and he goes through an intersection, we make a left through the intersection, and I slide the whole intersection. So much fun. We get to the next stoplight, he accelerates away, I accelerate away. We come up to the next traffic light and he's like, and he I ended up passing him, but he's like flashing me like crazy, so I'm like, I don't know, what's happening? So right as I glance in my mirror, I see the very familiar headlights of, a, of an Explorer come dipping out from traffic and throws his lights on and, and uh, is pulling me over. So I'm like, oh no, this is not this is not good. So I pull over and there's a couple problems with the Miata. Although it's a great car, it has some weird issues where it has a hot starting problem. So if I shut it off and it's still like hot, it's so warm, it probably won't restart. And the handbrake doesn't work. So the cop pulls me over on a hill. And so I'm like like I'm waving my arms out the window. Or out of the roof because I'm like, listen, I can't stop here. Um, I'm going to roll back into you. The handbrake doesn't work and I can't shut off the car. And he's like, he yells over the loudspeaker, He's like, put the car on the curb. Set the car on the curb. So I'm like, all right. So I crank the wheel over and set the car on the curb. And the cop comes up to the window and uh, he's like, what do you think you're doing? And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm just out, you know, having a fun time with the car. No one out. I just figured it'd be a fun time to enjoy the car. And uh, he's he's looking at me. Uh, by the way, this whole time I'm getting soaked in the car because it's raining, but I still have the top down. And <clears throat> he says, "I saw what you did back there in the intersection. You know, you, you really can't be doing that." And I said, ah, "I'm I'm I'm sorry. You know, I didn't really put a, didn't really think about it too much. I'm just the car rotated. I kept the power on, just try to correct the slide, and um, you know, hopefully that wasn't That's wasn't it. wasn't <laughs> too too bad. So." Um, he says, okay, where's your license? And I said the same thing that I said in the other story. I said, my license is in my left pocket. I'm going to reach for it. Is that okay? He goes, okay. So I hand him my license and my wallet's over there, but uh, my license picture is me like this. <laughs> like I have a <laughs> thumbs up in the license picture. Yeah. So I hand him that. He throws the license back. He says, give me a real license. I'm like, this is my real license. Like it's not a fake, fake ID. He goes, all right, where's the registration of the paperwork to this car? I said, well, and I had to explain because it was on a Pennsylvania tag for my school address. But me and a friend, we co-owned the car. So there's like two names on the address. It's weird. So I had to explain that to him. And the whole time, the registration is getting soaked in my hands because it's, um, it's raining. So he takes all the information and goes back to the car. And then another cop shows up a couple a uh, couple minutes later and they're like shooting the shit because I can hear them because the top is down. I'm hearing them talk about all sorts of random bullshit. It's the bullshit. benefit of
0: getting pulled over in that car. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can hear
1: everything that's going on behind <laughs> you. So um, they're like chatting and the other officer who wasn't the initial one to pull me over comes over to the car. And uh, the big piece of this is the Miata, my friends, they stuck Ferrari badges on it. So it has Ferrari all over the car, which looks ridiculous. And the guy comes up to the car and he goes, wow, nice Ferrari. And I said, well, you've been fooled. It's yeah. not a Ferrari. And he goes, well, that's unfortunate. And I was truly hurt by that. And uh, he's looking around the car. And the only thing that's in the car is me, obviously. And there's my like gym bag, which is in the floor. And the, just a full jar of peanut butter in the passenger seat. And he's like, why is there a full jar of peanut butter in the car? And I'm like, listen, I'm just, usually I go to the gym late at night. know, uh, it's, it's not the best thing for after the gym but it's something I like you know a lot of protein high calories but not the best and he goes are you hiding something in the peanut butter I said no do you want to try some he goes no I don't like peanut butter so I was like "All right, well everybody has their taste in life so he goes good luck to you and then goes to walk back to the car. But I said, hey, do you mind before you go, can you help me put the roof up? Because I'm getting soaked in the car. So, you know, we put the roof up together. He like sits in the car. We latch roof, And I said, hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate your, your willingness to help me do that. He goes back to his car, leaves. And the other officer is still there. And at this time, I see a tow truck come by really slowly. And I'm like, oh, no, like this is, this is really bad. But the tow truck keeps going. And at this time, another ten minutes goes by. So I've been on the side of the road for a good forty-five minutes now with this one cop who hasn't come back to the car. I call my attorney, who helps me out with a lot of my traffic tickets and such. And I and I call him. It's two in the morning at this time to remind you. I call him three times. The first two times doesn't pick up. Third time he picks up, he goes, "Awesome, what the fuck do you want?" I said, "Anthony, I'm on the side of the road. I got a cop behind me. I think I'm about to receive a really bad ticket." Is there anything you can do to maybe help me? Well, maybe call the the state police chief in this area to you know have him let me off. He goes, "All right, let me let me see what I can do." Hangs up the phone. Calls me back 5 minutes later says, "Hey, I can't get a hold of anybody. We're just going to have to deal with this on Monday." The problem is with this whole situation is I got a stipulation from another court violation for driving that said if I get another violation, I'm going to lose my license and I'll be put on a on an infinite suspension period. This can't happen. so that was what the court said i don't even know if they were going to really execute on that but they could have so anthony calls you back and i'm like dude we got to do something and so as he's on the phone i hear the door clunk from the officer behind so he's getting out of his car and closes his door and so i say, anthony hang on the cops coming back to the car so i put the phone i didn't even i i thought that i hung up the phone but i just put the phone on the seat Cop comes up to the window. He says, listen, Austin, you've been very forthcoming. This whole situation is very funny. I'm glad that my partner there could help you put your roof back on the car. I said, you know, tell him I thank him for that. I'm not citing you for the reckless driving or the speeding or anything else I could get you for, but I am citing you for the loud exhaust. And I said, ah, officer, I'm I'm very very thankful for your leniency on these other things, but if I receive another violation, I'm going to be in real trouble. And he said, well, what do you mean? And I, so I explained the court stipulation to him that I received another violation. I've been trying to clean up my driving act. It's been a year. I haven't been pulled over, but I've got another month until my probationary period ends. I'm hoping that I can not receive any violations so I can be able to enjoy my freedom of being able to drive. And he said, yeah, I understand that, but you know, you're just going to have to fight this one in court. And I said, officer, I don't think you're understanding the gravity of the situation here. I really need this. To, I, I can't really take this ticket from you right now. And he said, Well, it's just a loud exhaust ticket. And I actually said, Well, it's a loud exhaust ticket. And so I showed him the exhaust and I said, Well, this is actually what my company makes. We make because the Miata has one of those valve exhausts, one of those mufflers on it. He said, Oh, that's that's pretty cool. And I said, Yeah, you know, this is what my company does, it's what I'm doing after university. If I receive this violation, I'm not I can't drive, which means I can't promote my company, and I'm gonna lose any ability I've had to be able to pay my employees and I can't let them down. What would you do if you were in my position? In the meantime, I'm holding this ticket where it says, you know, certificate or tick traffic ordinance or whatever. And the cop takes the ticket back from me, looks at it, folds it up in his hand, and says, Austin, we're not going to worry about this tonight. I hope I never see you again. Don't drive like this and have yourself a good evening. Walks back to his car, leaves. And so I'm like, oh my God. So I'm sitting in the driver's seat and I'm like, wow, there's no way this went as well as it just has gone. And to make this story even better, I go to look at my phone to call Anthony back. Turns out he was on the phone the whole time. So I pick up the phone. I go, Anthony, you got that? He says, you got to be the luckiest son of a bitch I ever knew. Hangs up the phone. So just like situations like that, it's just brilliant. I feel I, like
0: you definitely would have been a lawyer, dude. You're fucking good, man. <laughs> and I don't listen. I don't say this to everybody. I know I'm a podcast guy, but shit, dude, you got to start some kind of some kind <laughs> I like telling car, stories, man. I mean, exhaust show, like some kind of uh, Ed Bolian type of VinWiki type. Well, I've of thing. told this story on VinWiki before. Uh, You're on VinWiki? Uh, I have been oh, three shit. times. Um, well, how was that experience? I don't. don't we don't have to go oh, too far into it. But, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Ed
1: is the most. Ed has an aura about him, yeah, which I is totally... You can totally, just tell even from the videos he does. It's unbelievable. He has this just innate ability to grab your attention. Whatever he has to say, he says it very slowly, very eloquently. Mm-hmm. And it seems like his speech is never rushed. Whatever he has to say
0: yeah.
1: will come out when it He's not happens.
0: like me from New Jersey on coffee, like... Yeah, you know so saying? I mean,
1: I talk a little <laughs> bit fast too, and it's hard to understand me sometimes, but when you elaborate the stories it's it's the same situation that we're having he just says tell me the story
0: yeah so is he sitting there when you're he, okay, does. he does so he's kind of like co- it's like a Vlad TV type of thing he's correct he's kind of coaching you correct. a little yeah. bit so
1: that was the that's a really I'd love
0: good. to go into it if we have time but I'll just link your the VinWiki Oh yeah I mean, so to also, I'll mean, i go watch them. I didn't yeah know.
1: he the, another piece of the puzzle is too is we did three well we did a bunch of stories but some of them haven't aired yet but we did, like, two stories in the morning. Then we went for lunch and did another four or five after lunch. He took me for a ride in the LP640 Mercy Largo. Oh, man. And, dude, when I tell you that car is something so special beyond anything I've ever experienced, it is amazing. It has such a ability to capture your imagination you're about the same age as i am you yeah. you grew up with those cars and i'm sure a lot of the viewers did as well like that was the poster car that was in need for speed hot pursuit too it was in it was yep. everywhere and so just being in that car and being with him was super cool we went out and we had something we went and grabbed something to eat and drink and just listening to his stories and stuff he just has this innate ability to capture your imagination he's like a he's like a uh, like a superhero it's, yeah. it's crazy
0: and his voice, too. Just everything adds to it. His it's voice so is funny. so amazing. And his
1: voice is even more, um, uh, how would you say? His voice is even more, like, intimate. It's pronounced, yeah. In person. Like, wow, he's yeah. even more relaxed in person. Believe it's crazy. It. So, very incredible experience. And I think we gained some good publicity for it. I liked I, I shared another story, too. Similar situation where I got uh, all... I guess your viewers can watch those because it's better to watch them on Binwiki. But there was a, where I got pulled over, I passed a cop at like 120 miles an hour. As he, was, he was cutting up through traffic and I was cutting up through traffic. And I passed him, but he was in like an unmarked Ford Fusion. Uh, and I had no idea he was a cop. One he, of those guys. And then he lights me up with uh, some lights. And you know he was a super cool guy. I don't know if he was off duty, the CHP or whatever, but this is in Florida. And uh, it was just, he ended up letting me go, too. It was crazy. let yeah, build on that one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but there's been a lot of, you know, weird cop encounters along my existence. And I have had some bad ones, but I feel like when I was a lot younger, I had some really bad run-ins and like stories where I remember I got, I was driving, I was six, I was 16 and a half. I'd just gotten my license and I was in this first 335 that I, that I uh, elaborate about, about the whole exhaust uh, configuration story. But I remember I was bringing somebody back at like 2 in the morning and I was going down Route 9, which is a, a road that goes from my town. I used to live in Wellesley, Massachusetts that goes to Natick. And I, was, I had dropped this person off and I was coming back. It's like 2, 2.30 in the morning. And my father, God bless him, he had just taken my radar detector out of my car. He's like, you don't need this. You drive too fast. You don't need to have this in your the car. The only
0: time that I got a ticket is when it was off. <laughs> so I feel that's like yeah that, yeah it's, that's, it's that's brutal
1: that's the way it goes so um by the way he has a he has a full radar system in all his cars so it's, a, on, it's he's the pod calling the kettle black <laughs> but the funny thing was is I was going along no radar and I'm 16 and a half you know real dumb and I'm 335 is loud tuned and I'm flying down this road and I see one cop in the distance but I see him way ahead of me so I slow way down go past him and as I get into Wellesley, there's a long uphill. And I like I'm cooking on the uphill. I'm probably doing 130 or so. And then the road kind of dips and then goes to the right. And I slow down a little bit and there's a straight shot. And I see it. So I'm like, and I I bury it. And I start from maybe eighty or so. I had braked a little bit and made that corner. And then I start from 80 and I just and I fly up to whatever speed that I got clocked at. Because there was a cop... I'm going this way. There's a cop sitting in the like the center median between... It's, a, it's only a two-lane road in either direction. It's pretty tight, but he was just sitting in the median there, running radar. And I fly by him at 109 and a 50. And I'm like, fuck. So I keep going, but I'm, again, I'm 16 and a half, so I don't really understand the dynamics of the car. I'm on my winter tires at this time too. So I kick it up to like 130. The car had a limiter at 130. And I there was a turnaround that I needed to make to get into my neighborhood. And as I was on the brakes, I forgot that I was on my winter tires. I didn't have the grip. And so I overshot the, uh, the turnaround I needed to make. And I was like, Oh no, what am I going to do? I got to find another road. And I come over the next hill and there's two police cars in the road. Oh, wow, blocked me. And so like I pull over and stop and me as a 16-year-old, I'm like sobbing in the past cheek because I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, what do like I do? Like, my life is over. Yeah, I'm I'm screwed. Yep. So I pull over and I, I didn't even have the whereabouts. I put the car in park and I was just sitting there sobbing. I didn't even have the whereabouts. Turn off the car, open the window, nothing. Cop comes up the window and like knocks on the window. And like, I open the window and I'm like sobbing with tears and I'm like,
0: ah.
1: and he's like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, and so ultimately I got arrested. And the, 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 the part that makes the story even better is you would assume I'm in my car driving late at night that I wouldn't be doing this. I was wearing my bathrobe. Oh my God. <laughs> a brown bathroom. And uh, I had like clothes on. I had like sweatpants and a sweatshirt on underneath. I was just, it was cold. So I had my bathrobe on. And the I had it, like, tied, though, and the cop was like, are you wearing any clothes underneath here? Because they were, like, they went to handcuff me, and, like, the robe kind of opened. But I was, like, I was I was wearing clothes. And,
0: and it was going to uh, be a cop's video, at, like, at that point. Yeah, and like... it, was, it was
1: ridiculous. <laughs> so, you know, I get taken to the Wellesley, like, uh, police station and stuff, and they book me, and they do all that fun stuff. And I remember having to make the phone call to my mom to come pick me up. And, oh, man, it was not good. My father showed up as well, and they were both pissed my parents are split but they lived in the same town so they both showed up and they were i've never seen my father so mad so mad uh and he from that point on, i lost my license they 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 issued an immediate threat on my license which basically means they just can take your license away and my father made another stipulation on even on top of that even when i got my license back i could not this was in I think this was in November, no, this must have been in January is when I got this, when I had this problem, this encounter. And I got my license back in like March, but my father said I couldn't drive until May 15th. That was his stipulation. But at the, at the time, I had since sold that 335 that I had, and I went and bought an E46 M3, but I needed to sell the 335 to pay for my lawyer fees. So, I had since sold that. And so I said, all oh, right, I'll buy a cheaper car. So, the, the 335 was worth like 28000 And that was like all the money I ever had. Uh, so, I sold that. And then the guy immediately crashed it, RIP. But he's fine, but the car is toast. Um, and then I went and bought an E forty six M3. But that was the thing is I remember that E forty six sat in my garage for like two months and I couldn't drive it. and I was like
0: That must have killed you pampering it and it like
1: doing thing, yeah. the doing all sorts I of I guess I'll stuff. detail it
0: again. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: and like like reconditioning all the leather. It was yeah. it was an interesting time, but um I guess what the the moral of all these stories culminating is now I've really realized How to humanize yourself and not do these things and and be forthcoming and be honest about what you're doing whenever there's an encounter like this. Because in the past, I would do some really dumb shit, but I think I've matured quite a bit to not do these things so much, but...
0: I think it's, and especially as you know, driving on PA back roads, probably driving on your back roads too, driving on these back roads. Mm-hmm. It's like you you have to know when, where, and how. And how. That's yeah. it. And if you know that, you're good. It's like the one time I got a ticket, I was in my college town mm-hmm. and I wasn't from there. And that's why he gave me a ticket. That's yeah. the only reason he gave me a ticket. I was doing 11 over. He gave me a ticket for like seven over Oh wow! or eight or he helped me a little bit, um, but he was like are you from here? And, I'm, and I was just honest with him. That was my worst mistake. You know, the fact that I just told him I wasn't from here. You know, it's like if, if I told him, yeah, i lived here my whole life, he wouldn't have given me a ticket.
1: Well, he um, would have seen the license and gone, well, this isn't true. If you would have said, yeah. listen, I'm a student here. I'm not really familiar. I'm sorry. I'm driving a little bit too fast. Hopefully you can give me the opportunity to earn your trust next time. Yeah. Like, dude, it's like so you have fast, these but... like word
0: tracks that are like amazing. For, like, Thank you. Yeah. Like uh, uh, people can learn a lot about that because that's, I mean, that's the only ticket I've gotten, but I've gotten pulled over probably seven times and similar stories to you. Mm-hmm. The one guy I had to thank God, I had my Marine shirt on mm-hmm. and he was like, he was like, Oh, you can't consider Marines. So like, I was like, yes, sir. I'm seriously considering the Marines. And, and, and he was a Marine. And then he pulled me over two other times. He he could have busted me for, um, weed yeah. when it was illegal. Mm-hmm. Didn't bust me. could have pulled, he pulled me over for speeding again. Yeah. Didn't bust me. Cause he, I established that relationship with him. Yeah, exactly. And so he would just be like, you again? And I'm like, dude, you got to stop pulling me over, yeah. you know. And then we'd have a fun conversation. That would be it. But yeah, it really is establishing that. Um, and uh, I Ed- love, I love your stories. I wish we, I, I, wish we had all the time in the world. I want to have you back again. There's mm-hmm. a lot we got to get into um, as far as the company and the business goes Let's and things it. like that. But to kind of wrap it up, um, it was amazing to have you. Uh, what is, you know, what's going on with Valvetronic right now? Like, what are the new things going on? If you just let people know, kind of a little bit about that, and then maybe where they can find. you.
1: Yeah. So um, right now we're really working on our wholesale expansion plan. We're Trying to help get the brand into some other places where you can go and buy it. We're actually working on a deal with a very large retailer who you will hopefully see soon. We're trying to put the mufflers in the stores so anybody here could go and buy them from a the store. Wow. So, working with a large um, uh, automotive parts store that everybody's familiar with. I can't say the name for certain legal uh, uh, problems, but. Hopefully working on that. We want to get the mufflers into stores. Um, additionally, we're working on trying to help develop our wholesale and high-end programs, whether it's McLaren, Ferrari, Porsche, yeah. all these um, these high-end brands, because we want to really establish and show that Valtronic is going to be the next wave in this exhaust production. There's a lot of people who make exhausts, but it's really up to the marketing and trying to show people that you can build something that no one else can. So that's what we've really been working on to try and build a new existence for a lot of people who have these cars because if you go and buy a McLaren or Ferrari nowadays, there's so many restrictions on what the factory can make the car sound like. But in the aftermarket, we don't have to deal with that usually. So allowing these people who buy these fun, fast cars, whether it's a Ferrari 488 or the new SF90 or a McLaren 720S, allowing these people who buy these cars as an enjoyment piece to take their enjoyment to the next level with a great exhaust setup so we're working on that we're continuing to work on our normal bmw kind of core market which is the new g80s the m3s the m4s working on trying to continue to showcase that again in the same vein as the higher end stuff we want to build a great quality product at a great price that'll again help people enjoy their cars to the fullest so that's what we're working on um Again, it's just scaling. It's trying to build the right team, find the right people to help us along this vision, and it's been an incredible journey thus far. But it, you know, I, I've really taken this time to. I've been in, in, incredibly fortunate and extremely lucky, and stuff that I've been able to discover in my existence, whether it's running the company or being a friend or whatever. I've found that it brings me so much more joy. And happiness to try to share this experience with people and part of my like love language for other people whether it's friends or family is I love to give gifts because it it helps me it makes it just makes me a lot happier to have somebody else enjoying the same thing that I enjoy in because that type of experience not only builds relationships but it, it just makes me more happy to see somebody happy that I thought of them so that's one of the big things that i've tried to help or that i've tried to culminate along this this uh path that i've been on is there's a lot of people who ask questions a lot of people who are curious who are interested who are intrigued about the process and a lot of the times it's not about the process it's more about the inclination and the ability to just try as we talked before but if i can share my existence and my learnings to anybody else who would benefit from it That is what I feel. Money and some of the other existences that people seem to chase, that stuff is all a tool. Money is a tool. But a lot of people, they chase this existence. They want more, 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 more. And they'll never find that satisfaction. But being able to share what I've learned, the experiences, the learnings, the great times with great people, that's what this stuff is about. And whether it's trying to build a great exhaust for whatever vehicle somebody has or trying to help people with their next business. It's being able to share this stuff with people such as yourself and your audience stuff is something that makes me super happy. So
0: awesome incredible thank you so much for coming i really appreciate it um thanks for being here i will have all of your socials and everything valvetronic instagram personal instagram everything in the show notes as well um and uh yeah thanks for being here man thank you for having me brother anytime so ladies and gentlemen as you know this has been another episode of bobcast with our man Austin from valvetronic like i said all the information in the show notes As you know, we are on all platforms, even the ones nobody uses. Don't go anywhere. We got something for you in the outro. Awesome, once again, thank you, brother. Yes, sir.
1: Thank you. That's a pop.
0: Hey, it's Sully. Before we head out, one quick ask. And let me describe this to you. Would you like to receive one email per month from me covering everything we talked about on the podcast during that month. This will also include music content, uh, videos, YouTube, video versions of the podcast, anything podcast or content related for the month covered in one email per month. So this is our newsletter. So if you would just go to Sullybop.com on your phone, computer, tablet, whatever you're on right now, S-U-L-L-Y-B-O-P, So just type that in sullybop.com and scroll to the very bottom of that homepage and you'll see join our newsletter right there. Now, that will cover, as I said, all the topics we talk about on the podcast, just a synopsis of the content for the month. So if you feel that that would be valuable, please do join that. I will also include uh, things I'm reading things I'm interested in this particular month supplements I'm taking etc so if that's something that's up your alley please join our newsletter I would really appreciate it okay let you go have a great one and we'll see you on the next one